Kia ora, this is the Hapu Club podcast. I'm your host, Eve Palmer, and today's guest is radio and TV host and mum of three, Tony Street. Before we get into the kōrero, I just want to take this opportunity to plug the Human Milk Bank here in Aotearoa. They are in desperate need of donors right now. Donor breast milk makes a massive difference to preterm and unwell babies all across the country. And it's as easy as pumping a little bit extra and popping it in your freezer. For more information, click the link in the description for this episode or DM us on Instagram at Hapu Club. Welcome to the Hapu Club, Tony Street. It is great to have you here. We've had a lot of requests for an interview with you, so I want to get straight into it. Your best friend, Sophie was your surrogate. How does that conversation even come about? Oh, goodness me. Uh, even when I think about it now, I look at my nearly three-year-old son, Lockie, and I still can't believe we went through all of that. So the conversation itself came about, I've got an autoimmune condition and I was told that I couldn't carry a third child and I'd always, always, always wanted a, a big family and Sophie knew that because we've been friends since intermediate. Um, and we were just chatting one night and I said how I was just getting over the fact that I wasn't going to be able to have another child. And she, out of nowhere, said, I'll be your surrogate. Oh, my goodness. And, and offered it up. And I wow. initially totally rubbished it because I was like, you're not going to be a surrogate for me. You know, why would you do that? That's so full on. And I wouldn't put you through that. And uh, she is a very, very persistent woman. <laughs> and uh, I kept batting it away going, that is crazy talk. And she kept saying, we need to go and investigate. Eventually, I said, okay, we'll go and look into it. And then about a year later, uh, I had a son. Wow. <laughs> what were your doubts when you rubbished it straight away? What were you concerned about? Well, I think, first of all, I already had two children. So I had already had two girls. So I guess there was quite a lot of guilt from my part that, you know, I already had these two beautiful, healthy healthy children. Lots of people can't have any babies at all. And so I felt a little bit selfish for wanting a third, even though I have to say it was a genuine feeling. Like I, I really felt really down about not having a third. And I, and that's a feeling you had. You can't kind of, I couldn't get, I couldn't rid myself of it as much mm. as I tried. Uh, but also with any pregnancy, there's a massive risk to the person carrying the baby. And I just thought Sophie already had her two beautiful children. They were absolutely done. I just thought it's such an unnecessary risk to take in life for her. Anything could happen um, throughout the pregnancy, during birth, and I just I didn't want her to have to go through all of that just for something that I wanted. So that that was my doubt to begin with. And I also thought about the implications it would have on her two children, um, on her husband, on her parents. So they were all the thoughts I initially had. What was when did you decide? When did you make that decision that okay, we're going to go through with it? Was, was Sophie just wearing you down over time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she kind of was. So she just—I remember her bombarding me with texts saying, "Can we please just look into this?" And then we had another conversation on the phone. I said, "Oh, I said, do you realise the enormity of this?" And she said, "Yes, I do, and I, I'm 100% on board." And I remember oh. saying to her. Have you even talked to your husband, Mike, who I knew very well because <laughs> I knew him since year nine at school as well and newcomer? Oh, my God. And he goes, no, I haven't talked to him, but he'll be fine. I was like, yeah, he will not be fine. You have to talk to your husband first. I said, you go away, talk to Mike about it, and then we'll all sit down and have a discussion together only yeah. if he's even remotely interested and I completely understand if he's not. So they went away and the next thing they were flying to Auckland and we had this big sit down with – uh, Sophie and Mike and myself and my husband and they said they really wanted to do it and we should start the process wow. and 
we we started it and I think I felt that kind of guilt and um, nervousness about the whole thing the entire way. Really? Until, yeah, and literally until probably two weeks after Lockie was born, that's when I finally thought this has all been great and it was worth it. Wow. So when you say start the process, what is that process? Well, the... Because I'm, I'm, this is really yeah. inappropriate, but I'm thinking the four of you didn't just, you know, smash a bottle of wine. Make it and, happen. Yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> well, it's funny because some people do it that way. I don't really? know if you've talked to Anika Moa, but you oh. need to get her story. It okay. involves a turkey baster. Uh, but <laughs> but it, it didn't happen that way for us. So you can do therapy in heaps of different ways. But the, with me, with my autoimmune condition, I didn't struggle getting pregnant or carrying the baby or delivering the baby, in fact. For me, it was my body about four or five weeks after giving birth. It completely flipped out and I go into organ failure because of this condition I have. Wow. So for me, the actual conceiving and getting pregnant wasn't the issue. So with the surrogacy, it was literally someone who could carry the baby mm. and, and deliver it for us. So it was my egg and my husband's sperm and Sophie was the carrier. But in some circumstances, people don't have an egg, so they have to use the surrogate's egg, or they might be using someone else's sperm. So ours is probably as straightforward as you can get because it was completely our genetic child just in someone else's tummy, which happened to be my best mate. And how do you do that? It's, it's IVF. So oh. uh, Matt and I went through IVF. We were pretty unlucky, really. We only got one embryo out of the IVF process. And I think that's because I um, had been on such strong medication. So okay. my egg supply had been decimated. Um, and then the same process happens as if, if that was me getting fertilized, it would be the same process as a surrogate. So I was in there when it happened and they literally inserted the embryo into Sophie and then you wait, that nervous wait to see if it takes or not. Oh my goodness. And so the first time it happened, it worked? Yeah, we had one embryo, we had one chance. And we had decided that if this one didn't take, we wouldn't go through the process again. And it took. And, and that was my little boy, Lockie, which is so amazing. That's incredible. I mean, it's such a it's such an interesting story. And I think we've had a lot of people wanting, you know, wanting me to interview you because, you know, fertility is such a, a tricky topic for people. And surrogacy seems like a viable option for a lot of people. If if someone's listening to this right now and they think, oh, I don't know if I've got a friend who would want to go through that for me. Is there another way you can have a surrogate? Yeah, it's funny you ask because I, I, I have fielded a lot of questions on surrogacy since because there isn't very much information. No. And what I, would, what I would say from the very outset is it's a long, complicated process. Mm-hmm. So before we could even go through the IVF, we had to get uh, approval from what they call an ECART commission. So you have to go through huge counselling, both individually and as a group. You have to get signed off by Oranga Tamariki to make sure that you are fit parents, even though that's your genetic child. You still, because you're officially having to adopt your own child. Yes. So it's a ma- massive, lengthy process, even to get to that point. Uh, and then you have to know a surrogate that's prepared to do it for you. Now, if you don't know one, and I get asked this all the time, there is, um, I don't know if you know Christian from um, Love From Your Dad. Yes, we're having Christian boy. on later, yeah. Brilliant. Well, he'll be able to talk more to it. He has actually started up a website because they've gone through the surrogacy um, before and they're actually pregnant with their second. Uh, he has started up a site where if you are a willing surrogate, you can go onto the site and be matched up with people that are wanting a baby. Amazing. But 
Yeah, and it, it is such an amazing thing. And I every day I just look at Lockie and I'm so thankful. But <laughs> I feel like I would be naive not to say to people that it is fraught with danger because the legal side of it doesn't protect you in New Zealand. All of the rights are with the surrogate in this situation. So technically, my best friend, who I trust 100%, um, could have at any stage throughout the pregnancy, after um, Lockie was born, before we adopted him, she could have decided she wanted that baby to keep. Wow. And by law, she is the legal mother. So until you adopt your child, they have all of the rights, which, and, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but there have been a couple of cases in New Zealand just in the last year. Um, one case where the surrogate um, was having a really tough time mentally and she actually uh, had an abortion without oh the... Um, I know, without the intending parents knowing about it. And there was another case uh, where this woman was actually the egg donor as well as the surrogate, and she decided that she wanted to keep the baby. And so now that child has a joint custody arrangement with the surrogate. Oh, my goodness. The parents. So, you know, like the protection isn't really there. So you have to 100% trust that surrogate, which for a lot of people, it's not a friend. So, you know, you're putting a lot of faith in one person. You are, because even with your friend, I mean, it's a huge thing to, to ask somebody to do. How do you... How do you thank Sophie? I mean, do you give her a gift basket or like a candle, like a card? Like nothing would really cut it for the gift of your beautiful baby, would it? You'd feel like you just always want to thank this person for the gift that they've given you. You are so right. And this is also fraught with danger because um, paying for surrogacy in New Zealand is illegal. So that means you cannot mm. you cannot have a monetary value but also – in things like gifting, you have to be very careful too. Really? So I was allowed to, throughout her pregnancy, I could cover things pregnancy-related. So if I wanted to get her a pregnancy massage, I could. If ah. I wanted to get her pregnancy clothing, I could. But if it, anything was outside of the pregnancy process, it was deemed illegal. So, for example, she had to take only two weeks off work. She was a CEO. She took two weeks off, and I couldn't pay her um, for that time she was having off work because that would be deemed as an illegal payment. Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, it's a fine line, isn't it? Because I'd say, look, these are my pregnancy cookies. I need, yeah. you know, I need a pregnancy foot rub and a pregnancy manicure right now. But, you know, where yeah. do you draw the line at what, I know. what is deemed necessary? I wanted, and I did actually end up getting her, I got a special ring made. And I remember thinking, oh, gosh, I hope they don't deem this as, as payment. But I, I got a little beautiful ring made in um, my son's first stone, which is the oh. and she wears that now. And I, I'm like, oh, I don't care. I'm sure that's not deemed as payment. I, it's a token of my, you know, a symbol of what she did for us. Yes, and also she's your friend, so you might give her a gift if she was pregnant anyway. It's- Absolutely, I would. And I'd give her gifts for her birthday and Christmas and things anyway. Yeah. So I, I thought, oh, that's a bit blurry enough line. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing this, Tony, because I know there are people listening right now who who are at the beginning of the journey that you're kind of at the end of. Um, you had two daughters and now you have a son as well. How do you find raising boys and girls? Is it different? <laughs> well, I have quite boisterous girls anyway. So <laughs> I love it. My two, I know they are they're really rough and tumble. They both play with a rugby, and um, they are certainly they you know they're on the stage. So they're kind of I would say very very out there personalities. My boy is actually, and I, you hear this a lot. He's the most affectionate of the three. He's very cuddly and moody, um, and I think just being the third child. 
I think he just naturally gets sort of dragged along a lot more. So I feel like he grows up a bit quicker because, you know, he's learned how to pass a ball at age two because he's always at the girls' netball and rugby. Oh, that Um, must make you proud, Tony. Oh, it totally does, being the competitive sports person. Yeah. Yeah. What are you like on the sideline? Is there a little bit of commentary going on? Can you hold yourself back? Oh, oh gosh. Well, I coach (laughs) both my daughter's netball teams. Do you? And... Let's just say I have a custom-made puffer jacket with coats on the back. I think that says it all. <laughs> That's awesome. As long as you're keeping it positive, right? Oh, totally. It's, it's all about giving it a go and trying to be your best, you know? Oh, it's like you, you're a good coach already, I can tell. Um, I'm, I'm quite amazed by you because you've held some of the best gigs in TV and radio in this country and you're raising three gorgeous kids and you've had health struggles how do you do it all or are you kind of grappling with that that idea that you have to do it all? Oh, I, I don't think you can do it all. I think there is always a cost. When you, and I think most parents, regardless of how much you've got going on, everything is always a balance. And I have weeks where I, I think to myself, I am completely out of whack here. Um, I might be on a work trip and thinking, I don't think I've seen the kids enough this week. And yeah. it actually really distresses me. But then I can have weeks where everything's going really well. And I think to myself, actually, Tony, you're able to coach two of the girls' netball teams. You have a job where you get up early. So during the day, I actually get to see my son far more than a lot of people might if they work the nine to five. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a mental thing. And you always feel like you could be giving one part of your life more than the other. Yeah. But I, I also feel like I sort of was brought up in a household to give everything a go and have a crack at everything, but always remember what comes first. And for me, absolutely my family does. And I've made a couple of decisions around my career that have perhaps not been what most people might have expected. Like I, I walked away from Seven Sharp after four years, despite having a very much still a contract there um, because I decided I didn't want to be away from them. Um, you know, I'm not seeing my kids till eight o'clock at night every night. So I feel like I'm proud of that decision because I don't think it was absolutely the right thing. I haven't looked back. I, I don't regret it for one second. So I think if you keep your family, well, what's important to you at the centre of every decision you make, then I, I don't think you can go wrong. You don't get it right all of the time. I certainly have moments where I, I miss them. Like during the America's Cup, I didn't see a lot of my family, but I knew that would be for a short amount of time yeah. and then you get back to the balance. So I, I don't think you, you can beat yourself up too much about it, but I, I certainly don't think there's any perfect I can do it all because I have days where I literally am crying because I haven't got the balance right. Oh, See, and a, a lot of people would look to you as an example of someone who is absolutely nailing that mum career life balance. So I think it's actually reassuring to hear that you still have those hard days as well. What is your? Yeah, well, oh, sorry, you can't. Sorry, I was just going to say. Off. I just think no matter. I was just going to say no matter how much you've got on your plate, it's all relative to your life and your situation. You know, like I've got three healthy kids, but mm. you know, it, it only takes one thing to go wrong with one of your children, and then that completely throws the, the balance out of whack. You know, I've got a friend of mine whose child just broke his arm really badly, and she's had to have a lot of time off work and then you know so life is so unpredictable and I think you've just got to adapt week by week to what is going to make it work for you. Yeah and probably not striving for perfect day because that's never no, going to exist. No such thing. Tony what is your proudest mum moment so far? Oh what would be my proudest mum moment? 
I feel like probably one of my proudest, and I remember this because I remember it made me really teary. To be fair, I tear up at most assemblies anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my girls had took singing lessons last year. And at the end of the year, they did this big Christmas concert. And I remember sitting in the, in the crowd and my, my youngest daughter was five at the time and my eldest was eight. And I remember thinking, this is such a big deal for them Aww. to stand up in front of all of these people. And they both did a solo, as did the other people who were in the singing group. And I remember just thinking, I'm just so proud of them that they had the confidence at such a young age to do that. And I just want them to feel, I guess, secure enough in themselves that they're happy to do that and not be worried about what everyone else is going to think. And I remember thinking, oh, yes, I've got that in them and I want to keep encouraging that because I feel like everyone gets a bit of a, a wobble at yes. some stage throughout their childhood of, oh, no, everyone's going to laugh at me or what will they think if I do that? And I just, I just loved it last year to see that they were in that space where they just didn't care. So is confidence one of the main values that you want to impart on your kids? I think it's huge because yeah. there is a lot. I think being a child in this day and age is very, very difficult mm. because you have so much more choice than even I had when I was growing up and certainly more than my parents where you can play, you can choose to play a myriad of sports, you can do art, you can do dancing, you can do singing, you can do speeches, uh, play an instrument. And I think with all of that choice, actually comes a lot of decisions and it's hard to make decisions when, you, when you're young. It's like, well, what do you, what do, you do here? What, there are so many different career options. You've got social media. And so I think if you can make your child confident enough in themselves that they trust their gut feeling, so when they know they're in a bad situation, they trust their gut enough to walk away. Um, if they trust their gut enough to know, yes, this is something I really want, I want to go for it, I think that's the best thing you can do because you're never going to be there in all of these situations in life. You can never stop them doing everything or mm. all that bad stuff. But if they learn to trust your own self and be confident in that, I reckon that's the best thing you can do as a parent. Oh, I'd want you to be my mum. You sound like an awesome mum. Well, <laughs> I've got to put that into practice now. That's the theory. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it's Sometimes it's easier to say all this stuff. But no, it sounds it like is. you're doing an incredible job, Tony. Um, what is the best piece of parenting advice that you've ever received that you would want to share with other people? Well, I feel like I have had advice, particularly from my mum, <laughs> so many times throughout my life and I continue to get it. Even, even now, I mean... I'm, I'm in a very, very public job and with that comes a certain amount of pressure mm. and feedback that you get from So probably the, the, the best ever piece of advice from a very young age mum gave me and she's had to remind me of this throughout my, particularly my TV career, is to be yourself mm. and to not change for anyone. Like I remember in the early days when I started hosting breakfast and things like Seven Sharp. Um, I have got quite a naturally, uh, I guess, positive, bubbly personality. And some people find that um, over, uh, too much. Like, really? why is she always smi- Yeah, why is she always smiling? You know, what? you know. Do people have a problem <laughs> with you being too positive and nice? I know, right? What? Like, you can't win. You can't win. I'm sure if I acted miserable, they'd have an issue with that too. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, I know. So mum always said to me, you can only be exactly who you are, yeah. and if people don't like that, well, so be it. But the moment you try and start pleasing everyone else, mm. you lose your authenticity, and that is what makes you valuable. So um, that that's probably been the best piece of advice. And so now if I go into a job, I think this is how I do it. Um, this is who I genuinely am, yeah. and it's kind of take it or leave it. 
Oh, what a great piece of advice. That's a great little nugget. And I love your mum yeah. as well. She's awesome. Yeah, she's very, very wise, my mother. They always are. And you find out that actually they knew quite a bit more than you gave them credit for when you become a mum yourself, eh? <laughs> oh, yes. I, I don't think until you, be, like when you become a mum, you realise how big a job they had with you. And you think, oh, gosh, I was a a little brat for a while. <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like you're appreciating all her wisdom now. And one yes. day your kids will appreciate yours as well. Tony, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate Total pleasure. Total pleasure. And if anyone does have extra questions about the surrogacy side of things, I'm so willing to answer them so they can just keep seeing me on Instagram because I know there's not actually that much info out there. And so if I can help, I will. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, if you are currently breastfeeding and you'd like to pump a little bit extra for babies in need, please click the link in the description or head to our Instagram page at Hapu Club.